become who we want to be as individuals. And at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. And the man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. Jordan Love hit me up the night of the draft. You know, was just congratulating me, letting me know it was time to work. Um, A.J. Dillon was open arms. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. We didn't nah. talk about that. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching touchdown untied. Like, if KP does, like, these flips after every win, and I'm, like, just waiting for him to do his flip. You know that we still love each other? That's what football brings us. Across the safety space. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Welcome to the Practice Squad Podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark, and there's... One singular weekend standing between us and and real NFL football. We got some preseason games standing in our way. One more round of them, and then we are back at it with the Detroit Lions taking on the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Thursday night. I'm stoked. Um, and look, got our fantasy football drafts rolling. We got a lot of preseason kind of discussions. You know, again, the media cycle isn't boring. A lot of good stuff going on. Mark, how are you feeling? Oh, man. I mean, that just kind of got me a little bit excited. I'm not going to lie. Um, okay, sweet. I'm getting better at this then. I'm yeah. I'm hyping things up. I mean, seriously, though, like uh, high school football games start tomorrow night. You got college football coming next week. You got NFL coming in two weeks. I mean, we keep saying we're back, but we are actually back. Like, football is back. Um, but, John, I, I, I've been on a TikTok addiction craze, and I want to – start with this because I don't know if I don't know if other people are on this craze but obviously my for you page I got a those vertically filmed edits okay fun, fun thing here too new format we're gonna test it out for this episode if it sucks for clips you know it I like it but we'll see yeah we'll see um, um but, but I don't know if I don't know if you've seen any of these John or if other people listening have seen these but these popped up on my for you page and now it's just it's the same sound and they put like just voiceovers from the movie and then it's just like these scenes that are just like beautifully shot scenes but because they're vertically filmed like this might be the next big thing i don't know maybe it's just a short trend but i've been watching these like the sopranos breaking bad game of thrones spider-man star wars i don't even watch star wars and i watch the the vertical film well you should watch star wars because that makes you an uncultured piece of shit but um you know, I, I think they're interesting. Uh, it's obviously is catering to, you know, the things that Gen Z spends most of their time doing, which is sitting on their phones on TikTok um, and kind of repurposing some some media for that, which I think is sweet. But it actually reminded me of is there's like a meme going around because, you know, like Oppenheimer, Bar, you know, Barbenheimer weekend that happened. Everybody was joking. It was like the first time anybody's really like, you know, gone to the movies since COVID. And they're saying that our attention spans are so shot now that you're going to instead have like vertically filmed Barbie and then you're going to have like Candy Crush on the left and uh, Subway Surfers on the right so that you can, you know, like watch the games while you get bored of the movie because all of our attention spans are so shot. And that's kind of what that reminded me of. It's like, oh, like we're, we're too stupid to take in like a feature length film anymore. So we got to like repurpose it for TikTok and kind of make it like this, you know, fun thing in that regard. But it's cool. And I mean, it's amazing. Like the, the shit that AI can do is just like nuts. That it's it actually kind of getting break. scary. Hey, I wanted to ask you this because I've seen uh, Joe Rogan talked to Zach Bryan and Post Malone about this on his recent episodes. Okay. Um, because you're in the music industry, AI uh, created music, right? Like yeah. what, what do you like? How good can that get? Because I'll give you a little background. Zach Bryan, and Joe Rogan in their episode said it would never get as good as an actual human being writing it because it's, you know, AI is a robot, doesn't have actual emotions and feelings. But then Post Malone was like, dude, within the next year or two, they're going to be putting out better songs than I could ever write. And they're going to be doing it at a way higher clip. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, so there, there's a few thoughts I've had about this, and I've had this discussion with a few people. Um, but yeah, like there, there's some interesting stuff like, uh, you know, especially like there's a, I guess like a relatively like generic genre of metal that people call like gent basically, where like you're just playing low notes on the guitar and that's basically all you're doing. So it's like one note the entire time, but different patterns. And there's this YouTube channel that runs 24 seven with just, you know, procedurally generated like breakdown patterns. And you can just sit there and it's like, 
it's not very good, but it's like convincing enough. Um, but I think like the biggest thing, and I, and I have the same opinion on AI art yet. I use Midjourney for a lot of stuff, honestly. Um, you connect with artists just as much as you connect with the art that they're that they're making, in my opinion. And so, you know, along with there having to be AI music, which I don't think can get as good as humans, because I think good art is all about like nuance and it factors. And I obviously I don't think robots really understand those two things. And how could you possibly describe them? Um, but also you have to kind of like, to some degree fall in love with like, I think the personality or the persona at least of what's going on. And then AI needs to like, kind of create that, which there's, there's AI doing that actually like attaching a fake persona to the, the fake music, which is cool. But yeah, just, I, think, I mean, I think, some of the songs are bangers, dude. Like that's some of the songs are hits. And yeah. It's, I don't know. It's well, like, and I, like I said, I use mid journey for art. And what I usually do, though, is I like will generate some stuff to get the vibe that I'm going for. And then I'll send it to an actual artist and be like, hey, like, I'll, you know, like pay you to kind of create something with this general kind of, you know, vibe to it. Um, That's what I do with Evan for, you know, like my album art and stuff like that. And like me doing that uh, for my my album that's coming up, like he was like I sent him like three or four AI pictures and he was like oh, like that gave me the idea for the art and he went and like executed on it, which I think is cool. But I've had debates with artists on how, you know, they think it should be like banned or whatever. And I'm like, well, you're not going to be able to do that. So you got to kind of get with the times and just kind of adjust it. You know, sorry if you think it sucks, but as an artist, I'm not offended about it. And I think that if a robot is better at me than creating something as as nuanced as music or whatever, then that's my problem, not not the robot's fault. So it's kind of where I'm at with it. So I don't know. Um, back to football discussion, uh, Swamp Kings came out on Netflix and there's been a lot of discussion about it. And I think the main reason why is because it was a very inoffensive version of what the Urban Meyer led kind of Gators, you know, all that stuff. And I think that Netflix, I felt kind of the same way about the the Johnny football doc where I think like. They, they care less about like telling an interesting or, you know, uh, like hard hitting part of the story. And they just care about like getting kind of like a Wikipedia summary version of the story out there. And it makes it more accessible to the people that maybe like aren't the biggest football fans. And it's just like, whatever, like there is, there's nothing special about that. Yeah. It's a short, I mean, there it's what an hour long episode, you know, they don't do, it's not multiple episodes. It's just one thing. And it's, it's hard to tell an entire story because let's be honest, Johnny Manziel's story and the Swamp Kings, Urban Meyer, Florida Gators story would require four or five hours to truly dissect and interview all the right people and get the right content put together to tell actually what yeah, happened and what it was like even then the doc made urban meyer look you know like a freaking angel well, you understand saint you understand why being. that is right you know you understand i have a little prediction it's dropped at the perfect time they're trying to get urban meyer's image back better so he, so he can coach again yeah no that's clearly that's totally that's what he's doing do you think yeah. that he would agree to doing any sort of documentary that's going to make him look bad that dude is one of the biggest egos of all time yeah, that is no, that is absolutely 100% what they're trying to do. And as a Michigan fan that's been dealing with this turd for, you know, a decent amount of my lifetime, I freaking hate that. And I hate Urban Meyer. And he's a, he's an egotistical piece of shit. I completely agree. And that stuff gets under my skin because of the fact that I don't think that dude should ever be allotted at a coaching opportunity ever again with, you know, how he handled essentially the NFL job and how he's, you know, the track record of how he's treated players, coaching staff. His wife. I mean, he's got. Don't forget everybody. I'll, Urban I'll Meyer has stinky fingers. I'll he tell has you very this. stinky fingers. I'll tell you this, dude. <laughs> as much as I don't like Urban Meyer, the dude fucking wins. He wins football games. All yeah. he does is win football games. I and, get it. And he's I'll tell you. Turn. And I'll tell you this: there's worse people than him actively coaching in the NFL and college football. One hundred and ten percent. I don't think that's inaccurate either, but I think that. You know, he's just, again, he has a track record of mistreating his players, mistreating his coaches, cheating on his wife, you know, like, list goes on. A lot of coaches aren't great people off the field, man. If you win, 
you will you'll find some opportunity. Winning cures everything. Winning uh, cures absolutely everything. That is the old saying. That dude, he wins, man. Um, other pretty notable NFL news is that after a back and forth for what feels like weeks at this point, Jonathan Taylor has finally received permission from the Colts to find a trade by next week, basically. How about Ursay? Just like, I mean, what, what, a week and a half ago? I think in last week's episode, we're talking about how this dude tweeted, we'll never trade you. Well, I'll cut you before I trade you and no one will ever remember who you even are. Like, no one cares about he's, you. He's, he's crazy and then within, Jim, Like, what <laughs> is going... Like, if you're going to tweet something that crazy, or you're going to publicly talk about your star player in that manner, and then a week later, you're just going to fold and... Ca- at least stand by your word if you're going to say crazy uh, shit like it's, that. It's another Tuesday for him, and that's exactly it. Like, what? And, uh, like, what happened I, between... You know, what happened between last... You know, what he was saying last week to... We're, we're, you know, Nothing. that's fine. Just, he, JT, you know what? We'll, we'll trade you. We'll, we'll give you your wishes. Like, what, he, what is going on? He woke up on a different side of the bed is basically what happened. And the thing is, is that um, it, it's hilarious because, you know, all of a sudden, kind of what you're saying, like he's saying you're, you're dust in the wind in the grand scheme of the NFL. You won't matter. All these like weird, like ex- existential things about the dude wanting to pay raise. And, and now instead of saying, hey, you're not worth, 10, 11, 12 million dollars. I think maybe Taylor asked for 14, but he probably would have settled for 12 if, if you know they were willing to give him that or whatever. You're not worth 12 million dollars to us, but if we were to trade you, you're worth a first round draft pick. Like that's ass backwards too. Like it makes no sense. It doesn't, whatsoever. it doesn't, it never, it didn't help his cause by publicly saying how irrelevant Jonathan Taylor is to the league and to, you know, to what people view him as. So, I don't know, man, but it's it's pretty weird. And I, all I can say is that Indianapolis is a shit fire right now. It's it's a, it is just terrible. It's it is. And they it's, just I named mean, Anthony not- Richardson as their starter, which I think is premature as shit. And we'll get into it. We have some film, and and we'll get into that division here. Oh yeah. But by the way, it's it's AFC South. It's AFC episode. South. So <laughs> it's, and it just so worked it out. It just so worked out that this Jonathan Taylor news comes. Uh, out we, we made it episode. twelve minutes into the episode before mentioning. Yes, this is we are covering the AFC South division for this episode. I mean, you'll be able to tell by the the, the title. It'll the be on title the title and yeah. the, <laughs> and the cover. But all, um, I mean, here like it just so worked out that we have a lot of. Colt stuff and we already talked urban meyer who is jags coach it just kind of works out it does it does everything kind of ties nice and neatly together ohio state Um, stroud you know texans it kind of all comes together all full circle small small world that the nfl is um so there's i think there's three um highly interested parties that either are have already made an offer or going to make an offer according to the rumblings in the news if you had to guess who those three teams are trying to bid for Jonathan Taylor, who would that be? Hmm. I honestly, I haven't seen this or heard this. Um, bidding for Jonathan Taylor. One of them. Um, one of them. I'm going to say the Vikings. Okay. I think Is that it? might be accurate. Do you might, know the three? I don't know. We don't know the three. Oh, we don't know the three. No, this is this is I thought up you to meant your that speculation. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Vikings would be one of them for me. Um, Cowboys would be one of them for me, just because they're the Cowboys and think they can get their hands on anybody. Um, trying to think of who else really want. Maybe the Steelers. Or the Ravens? Uh, I, I think I think the Steelers are happy with Najee. I think the Ravens are happy with who they got going. Um, I agree with you on the first two. I think I think Cowboys and Vikings were one of the first two that came to mind, and then Bears was the other yeah. one for me. I think See. I think the Bears might be interested as well. Um, especially they're sitting on a fat pile of cash. Um, you know, same thing with uh, Cleveland has like like a ridiculous amount of cap space right now, like $35 million or something like that. I don't know what they're planning on doing with it. It's the thing. Like, are they looking to go and try to grab a guy like Jonathan? Taylor they need to get a, just... they need to get a superstar receiver. That isn't as, that isn't Amari Cooper. I mean, Amari Cooper yeah. is great and all, but like, they need to get a legitimate superstar receiver. They should have yeah. went and got D hop and teamed him back up with Watson. They were so good together in Houston. It's a good point. It's a very good point. Um, all right, 
now we have your fantasy lineup and judging that we have uh, a little other preseason rumblings then we'll hop into the division so we will get going right on that yeah let's get so, into let's this is my drafted team from a few nights ago 10 now, person un- team yeah 10 person league unlike vocal here i am doing one fantasy league this year i'm not doing multiple i'm committing doing three this year my management skills to this one league i i'm wait listen football is quite literally this time of year like 80 percent of my life i coach right. i have a football podcast i make short form content like every single day for that podcast i make one long form episode a week uh, i watch football non-stop if it's on and i manage a fantasy football team i'm not doing more than one league that's where i drew the line um but this was the team i drafted 10-man league i had the fourth overall pick with this um, I'm going to kind of break through how I drafted. I took Kelsey fourth overall. Now I want people to understand crazy in my draft. It went Justin Jefferson cup chase. So Eckler McCaffrey, everyone was still on the board and I still chose to go with Kelsey. I, I do not. I do not know how I feel about cup going that high. Not because of, it, cup, you know, who took him? Who? Twan. Oh, that makes sense. That's second overall. Okay. So, I mean, listen, I was shocked that McCaffrey and Eckler were there, but I was set before the draft. I was taking Kelsey. I still like it because, as you can see, my running backs with Mixon and David Montgomery and Javante Williams and Swift are a lot of risk with those guys. But if I even get one or two of those guys to pay off, or if none of them pay off, I'll trade Kelsey and get running back value. So yeah, I mean, I, but to- I think I, personally, I look at this and I see running back depth. I think really the, the only risky guy out of all of this is Swift, in my opinion. I think that's Swift. You don't know what is what his carry load's going to look like. Javante's right. coming off of an injury, so you never know for sure what he's going to look like. Right. Mixon is in a passing first offense, but he's the he's the guy because P Ryan is now with Denver, and right. Montgomery has Gibbs. So like, there's some risk with all these guys, but I mean, one or two of these guys should pan out for me. I think it's likely that all, at least three of them do. And then you have Devontae Adams, uh, Debo Samuel as my receivers. You add Christian Kirk, Elijah Moore, OBJ into that mix. And then Josh Allen and Geno Smith as my quarterbacks. I mean, not a ton of weakness Yeah, I, I in my like lineup. It Obviously, sure. it's a 10-man, so you're going to like your team almost always. But um, I thought I did okay with the fourth with the fourth pick overall. So either no, I like it a lot. Or, or tell me you like it if you're listening to this and – let us know what you think, but yeah, I would say, you know, the only thing that kind of stuck out to me is like Debo is one of my favorite players on the field. He, his fantasy production has always kind of been mid tier just because of the fact that um they spread the ball out so much. And so he's not usually super consistent fantasy wise. Um, rather than that, I mean, I, I think you've got, you know, Elijah Moore, I think was a great pickup. I think he's going to see, you know, a lot of looks you're mentioning that, you know, Brown's not having a ton of receiver depth. I think he'll get a lot of targets. So, yeah, I'm a fan of it. And I, I we were talking about this before, but, uh, you know, Christian Kirk here, like, I mean, were you bummed that you weren't able to grab Calvin Ridley? And did Very bummed. Three, three, picks before, three picks before me. Gotcha. Um, I was, and I had him highlighted. I was going to take him with my next pick. And he wasn't even on the big board. Like, when, when you're drafting and it shows, the, you know, the best available, um, he wasn't even on it. So somebody scrolled to find him and took him three picks before I was up. So... Yeah, that one hurt. I may try to trade for him. Um, I, I really like him. I would be willing to trade a couple guys for him. So I think he's going to be a top five receiver fantasy wise this year. I, yeah, I, really, I think I he'll be up do. there. No, I, I think you're totally right. Um, hopping into this is my DMs. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Sliding right in, hitting you with the WID. You up? Um, so, look, I, I said this in a lot in the pre-draft process. I already talked about him a little bit when I did the uh, the mock draft with Zach uh, guest hosting. and But this has become the narrative right now, is that DTR, and this is coming from Brett Coleman, Brett Coleman knows ball, DTR would probably start on, like, four or five teams right now. And honestly... Jack, I give you some credit because we give each other shit on this podcast, rightfully so. We have takes that go horrific, just terribly, horribly wrong. And when that happens... We roast each other pretty hard. John called this in the draft process before he was taken by Cleveland that he thinks that DTR is going to be one of the better receivers, or I'm sorry, quarterbacks in this draft. 
And I was, I watched some of the film he was sending me, some of the stuff, he, you know, Brett Coleman was putting out about it. And I didn't disagree, but I was like, eh, you know, I wasn't incredibly impressed. And John was like, no, dude, I'm telling you, like he could be maybe top two, top three quarterbacks in this class. And I was like, eh, it's kind of a reach. Now it's early. And I'm not going to fully say that you're correct, but he is definitely turning heads. And he's stuck sitting behind Watson. And if Watson gets injured, he'll get an opportunity. But I mean, this might be a guy that you don't hear much about for, you know, two or three years. And all of a sudden he comes on the scene like freaking wildfire because he's been developing under Watson and he's ready to play. Um, And look, I mean, I, I got to give Marcus flowers too, obviously. Like Mark very early on in the process was like Sam Darnold might end up starting for the 49ers and it could actually be a good thing not a bad thing sure enough right other big nfl news is trey lance is probably going to get traded away or cut um which officially makes sam darnold qb2 and brock Purdy is still kind of on the men from an injury and while it sounds like he's for certain gonna start week one just something to keep an eye on so you know um i guess mark and i are paying enough attention where we're getting things right here and john you and i might just know some ball we know a little ball i think we know a little ball okay thanks for the fucking closed captions taking that that pass away let's restart (laughs) that um yeah i mean look just his passing accuracy has looked really good he's mobile enough where he can you know like scramble and kind of do some interesting things there and then what's been fun is the past couple of games he has thrown some ridiculous lead blocks for um as a quarterback for for the run plays, um, he actually had a penalty in this game because they were saying it was a blindside uh, block, which... By the way, I mean, that route, John, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Disgusting. Slow go, slant and go. Look at the route real quick when it, when it plays this, when it plays back from plays the top over. here. Yeah. Watch this. Slant, go. <laughs> yeah. Sold the shit out of it and then go high point a back shoulder ball. That's, that's high-level football right there by both quarterback and receiver play. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Much. No, it's exciting. And again, like, you know, we're probably, this is probably going to be the last time we see DTR for a minute is, is next week, but I will be watching because I've, I'm very interested in what could be with this player. So John, a little we'll side note pre with, with you saying that, um, what's your take on starters getting more reps here in preseason? And, and when I say starters, like I'm talking, especially like, Aaron Rodgers esque level players that have been around the league for 15 plus years that have proven themselves time and time again. Now, Tom Brady always did this. He always got at least one series in, in uh, preseason football. He said it was, it was incredibly important for him and that first unit to get out there. But we've seen guys like Julian Edelman tear their ACL in preseason before. So yeah, I um look there. I think the way that preseason is now, is a lot better to get your starters, the kind of reps that you want while still having a little bit more control over the situation. And that's Dan Campbell, I think was asked directly about this. He's like, Hey, like, are your starters going to see a single down in, in preseason this year? And they did last year, right? I mean, they played, you know, one drive, the first game, I don't think they got out there the second game and they played like a quarter, you know, or so uh, the third game. But he's pretty much saying, yet yeah, they're not going to see they're not going to see the field for preseason, and the reason why is because of the joint practices. They're allowed to have more control over the situation. They're allowed to kind of add pressure and and kind of get those looks that they want without putting as much risk on the starters. And then, you know, for Lions practice yesterday, they were like full live tackling, like simulated a game. It was offense versus the defense, and so I think combination of all those things kind of gives the starters enough live reps and honestly like yeah i think it's dumb to have your starter play any more than a couple drives at max for the preseason i think it's very high risk and i i don't know why you would do that to your football team i think you know it's it's better to maybe come out sluggish a little bit the first drive or two or maybe quarter of your very first game to start your your 18 week NFL season than it is to, you know, try to get them reps in the preseason and risk that they, you know, tear an ACL or, you know, even more minor shit like pull it. I mean, you know, JSN just broke his hand. He's probably out for the next four to five weeks, it sounds like. I mean, that that change if you're a rookie, right? All of a sudden you're trying to get preseason reps and now you're not going to get like the true live reps that you actually need to get to develop as a player for five weeks because you broke your hand in preseason. I just I don't get it. 
Terry McLaurin, turf toe, which we're, we're going to get into the commanders in a second here before we, we hop in the division. So that's my take. I mean, I don't know. It goes both ways. I think different situations call for for different amount of reps, but I think overall, if you can protect your starters, you should probably protect your starters. I mean, yeah, because I mean, in Hard Knocks, uh, the new episode I, I watched it last night. They Rogers is going to play in the next game, the third game, right. and uh, their coach was saying he wants to do it so that Rogers' first experience as a in a home Jets uniform isn't their first game. It's like get that out of the way. Kind of. So, I right. mean, but again, Rogers has played in bigger moments than just an, just a normal Jets home game. So, right. I don't know. Um, and then, so the other thing here, and I'm, I was trying to construct a way to talk about this that, you know, isn't insulting to Patrick Mahomes because I have zero. Yeah, you have to be very careful about this because I've given right. you your flowers. And if you say what I think you might say. Right. I, I think that. The way that Sam Howell played under Eric Bieniemy's scheme in the preseason against the Baltimore Ravens was pretty significant in the sense that I saw so much KC level execution out of a not very talented, you know, fresh quarterback, um, you know, playing in, you know, obviously a preseason game, but against starters like. I was impressed. I was really impressed with what it looked like. Um, people were going on Twitter and saying like absolutely dumb shit. Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is just, you know, playing in a system or whatever. Um, I do not mean to say that whatsoever, but I, I couldn't help but be very impressed by what the commanders looked like um, offensively for this, this preseason game. And, you know, I, I, these two plays I'm going to show aren't very special in the sense that they're like, you know, mind blowing, um, you know, athletic plays or, or scheme wise or anything, but I'm, I'm watching these plays through this game and I'm seeing, Oh, like these are Kansas city style plays. Like, like clearly Eric Bieniemy knows how to use these new pieces around him in a way that, that they're effective. And I mean, this, uh, this play with, um, I think it's Gibson here that, you know, he comes out and I mean, Texas I, route. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. You see that block, but yeah, yeah. yeah. What totally unnecessary to just absolutely hey, text the guy. Send the message. Yeah, I guess so. In preseason. I mean, <laughs> was that a so penalty? I don't know if it was or not. I don't remember. Yeah, listen, I mean, Sam Howell, late. listen, the commanders are projected to be really, really bad. And um, I don't know if they're going to be as, as bad as people really do think because of some of the things you said, but I, I would slow down on the given the enemy and, and how too much credit yet. It's still preseason, you know, what, what would be a, I guess a successful season as far as the enemy's first year with the commanders in your eyes, because I, I look at I them mean, and I'm like, man, if you flirt with 500, I would be pretty impressed. And I don't think it's necessarily about wins and losses because, you know, he's, he's not the head coach. He's the OC. So right. really for, for, for him to be successful, the, the commander's offense needs to be, uh, I think, a top 12 offense. I think if they're a top 12, because, I mean, here's the thing. He's considered an offensive guru, one of the best offensive minds in football because of where he's coming from, because he's what because of what he's done in Kansas City. Now, he has so much more pressure because is it Andy Reid or is it him? And right. this is his first year, his first opportunity to show that truly. And he doesn't have a ton of talent to do that with. So... If he's a top 12, top 15 offense, I think that he has proven himself mm-hmm. in, a, in a positive way. If he's below that, um, you know, people are going to start to wonder. I, I view, I personally view this move by the commanders as a, first of all, you know, Rivera, you're in the hot seat, but I think that's more than obvious at this point. Then also, um, Mr. Bianami. Here is your year-long job interview. You go and you show us that you can scheme up offense, and it wasn't just all Andy Reid. We might hand you the keys to, to being the head coach, and and you know you have full control over what you do, not only with the offense, but you know this the the entire team. Um, that's at least kind of how I view it. Um, so we'll I, think, see I mean, I think you're absolutely days. right. Yeah, like I mean, I I genuinely think that he he wouldn't have left KC if that wasn't kind of some of the conversations that took place around this, this OC opportunity for the commanders. So no longer living in um, Andy Reid's shadow. We'll see what, what happens with it. Okay. AFC South, I believe the order is going to be uh, Titans, Texans, 
uh Jack, colts jags colts jags i think we'll see <laughs> um memory isn't great i guess but <laughs> just guessing hey we'll be we'll be it as it goes okay we'll figure it out yeah. um but we'll, we'll jump into the film this is the first play um and really what i what i want to show here the emphasis uh before we actually watch the play um scheme defensive scheme it can it can really take you a, a far away and it's not only just the scheme you, you, if you interview certain players that have been with mike vrabel and the titans for a while um you know he's more of an offensive guy um but at heart i think he still loves defense he played both as a player he's a belichick guy so he understands the importance of what your culture is and the best way to find your culture is to watch how your defense plays and um, the Titans have been a really difficult team. And, and the quarterback uh, documentary on Netflix, Patrick Mahomes, during that Tennessee week, was talking about how difficult they are to prepare for, even on a down year where they maybe don't win as many games. They're going to give you a tough battle defensively every single time. I mean, you remember, yeah. I think they started Malik Willis, and they almost yeah. beat the Chiefs in no, that, at Arrowhead. And it's He like, completed zero passes yeah. that entire game. I mean, it But was... your culture, again, you're hanging on for dear life to that culture that Rabel has instilled in these guys. And, um, you know, it's just aggressive. It's, it's smart defense, it's disciplined, and you're playing as one full unit. Now um, this is just film studies seeing, and you, if you go back to the beginning, John, you, you, you'll see kind of a, a shift, a movement of what right. the defense does here. And it's what or happens is they recognize up. when the, when the, when uh, Jalen Waddle's off the ball here as the wide out to the, to the top of the screen, they did this jet handoff weeks prior. And so what this is, is they turned into an auto blitz off the edge if they see this. And so they recognize it. They slide uh, the defensive end down. They bring the linebacker up. They roll the safety down and they blitz the linebacker and that they stuff this play for a yeah, loss. Just, just, and I that's, was about that, to say it gets just enough contact it's, and waddle here to slow it's down. Film, it's film recognition, right? And this yeah. is just being really, really smart schematically and understanding what your opponent will do in, with certain formations and stuff. And this is on Mike McDaniel for not having more variety out of this look so that it's not as obvious what you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive. Um, I mean, seriously, look at the linebacker slides over, the safety comes down, and the, the front side linebacker comes all the way up to the line of scrimmage and blitzes off the edge. So, you, I mean, they knew what was coming the second they saw this formation. So that's next-level shit. And if you if you as a defense can guess right like this, you, you're going to be in a good situation most of the time. Very disciplined stuff for sure. Um, hey, just just because I saw the ticker going by and that's what it exists for, I, I assume you forgot to sign up for the ACT again. I, I, like I can't I can't during uh, football season. So gonna, what we're we're gonna get I'm to gonna, the other side of football season before once, you're... once the coaching part of it's done, I can take it. Because I I'll be busy every Saturday morning, which is when it would be. Unless you want me to miss, I do coaching. Actually, I you should feel uncomfortable. I right can't now. miss coaching high school kids. You should take a high school test. Yes, you can. That's what you lose bets for is to do some embarrassing, inconvenient shit. And we're we're talking about. It's going to be the year anniversary of you. Let me just let me this. just celebrate like a Lions playoff berth with the ACT. How hard is that? Like, am I am I going to have to send like somebody to like bust your kneecaps? Like, like dude, yeah, like a there's no chart? kneecaps that are going to need to be busted, dude. Dan I'm Campbell's going to come and I'm going to go get a 36 kneecaps. on the damn ACT, and no. I'm going to do it where you have to whatever. sign up for it first to do that. Unbelievable. I've been studying. Shut up. I'm pissed about that. I'm actually angry at you currently, but you know, I'm not angry about DeAndre Hopkins hands. Got, it's got some skills. Well, here's what people forget is this guy uh, has done it for a long time in the league. Very consistent at what he does. And the Titans are getting this guy still, I think at the peak of his career, I really don't think he's fallen off that much. A lot of people think he has, he wasn't in a great situation in Arizona these last two years with Kyler. And, and he still and was productive there. Too. He still was productive, man. When he played, he was productive. He was on a bad team. Um, there's nobody quite like him. You've heard Bill Belichick talk about him in the media. You know, he's, if you could build a receiver, this is what you would do. Long, huge hands, can run routes well, can high point the football. Um, 
he's just he's a he's the definition you know he's the dictionary picture of what a receiver should look like and should play like and you know i think he's got a few good years left in him and he, they're gonna need it in tennessee because they are young at the receiver position they don't have a ton of um playmaking ability honestly they have some big bodies and guys that can run a little bit but they don't really have guys that are true are you know have mastered the craft of the position and he's going to help that receiver room greatly he's going to make everyone around him better and he's going to make the quarterback's job a hell of a lot easier yeah and you know they don't have a ton of help um offensively and Tannehill is a very average quarterback so i'm, I'm curious to see how plugging him into the system is going to affect the, their ability to win games and again like this is no relatively weak division. Like there's an opportunity to make the playoffs just by means of winning your division and just kind of going 500. Um, so I honestly, I think it's, they're in an interesting spot. The Titans are because, you know, moving on from their management, which means their team building philosophy is changing. Um, you know, there's, again, it might, it might be called a reload rather than a rebuild. Obviously they're keeping Vrabel, but it's a, it's an interesting situation. So now the question I have though, John, uh, to throw some shade at the Tennessee Titans as a franchise, why the hell wouldn't you have just signed AJ Brown to an extension? Cause different management. You had a dumbass manager making dumbass decisions. But and now you gotta I make mean, up for that. I mean, obviously Vrabel's been very clear. He wanted to keep AJ, AJ Brown. And yeah, I understand the management change, but like, I mean, younger, probably more talented receiver right now, A.J. Brown, you could have probably paid him less than you just paid DeAndre Hopkins oh, to totally. have him stick around. Totally. Like, well, I just don't – I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is much older. He's not in his, you know, prime prime. It just doesn't – that's always going to be a question mark. That's always going to be a head-scratcher for that franchise. Yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure. And then uh, – why am I forgetting his name? Who did they pick after trading? Traylon Burks. 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 I'm, I'm curious. He had a, like a, he didn't have a bad rookie season, but it was quiet. Um, I mean, I'm he's curious not now. AJ Brown and he's not DeAndre Hopkins. Well, and that's kind of that what I'm heading, heading to is now that he has, you know, a legitimate receiver threat on the other side of him. I'm kind of curious to see how he performs this season. Right. So, um, Moving on, there's there's not a ton of Titans film to watch. Sorry, um, there's there's a lot of things going on over there. Um, but look, they're going to be rock solid defensively. They're always going to put up a good fight, regardless of what their offensive talent is looking like. And they've made some moves, so we'll see what happens there. Um, and another team to feel kind of optimistic about is the Texans. Um, you know, with D'Amico Ryan's plugging in as their head coach, who obviously coming from the Shanahan tree, but is on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think that the Texans are actually pretty talented all around. And I think them kind of grabbing their star edge rusher and their, their star, you know, quarterback for the next few years was a great way to just kind of rip that bandaid off and, and see what you can, you can build around those two guys on both sides of the ball. So one guy they definitely have is uh, Damian Pierce, who, I think was one of the less appreciated rookie rookie running backs last season. I mean, dude can play and I'm expecting similar production out of him. Texans offensive line honestly doesn't get enough credit either. They're pretty dang good. Um, so he runs hard, man. He's, he's, I like him a lot. I really do. I think he's, I think he's going to take another step forward um, and be one of the top running backs in the league this year. And he's run behind our guy, Troy Harrison, the bash brothers. Yeah, I definitely have my eyes on him fantasy wise too. I think he's he's going to be pretty productive, and I do not see him going very high uh, in most drafts either. But I mean, you know, again, you want to kind of avoid those those one two punch running back tandems because you want a guy that's going to obviously just get fed the ball as much as possible in fantasy. He's going to be that guy, and again, not a bad offensive line. Had a pretty good rookie season, so one hundred percent something to keep your eyes on. Uh, this other one is kind of talking, you know, this is 49ers film kind of showing some some schematics of uh, Jamaica Ryan's um, defensive philosophy. This is and, this is just showing kind of a little bit of what D'Amico Ryan's uh, did. It's showing what the Rams tried to do to attack it. Um, but really what the biggest thing is it's stunts, right? D'Amico Ryan's is great at getting pressure on the quarterback. And if you can get pressure on the quarterback, 
you can create problems for anyone that you play against. I don't care if it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if it's Matt Stafford. I don't care if it's someone as, as young as Bryce Young, right? Like you, you will be able to have pressure on the quarterback and change what they have to do offensively. Um, and again, it's going to be, you know, he went after Will Anderson, got their guy. He wants to use him as a pass rusher. They have other guys that they're going to try to use to help Will Anderson get home and get to the quarterback and, and make plays happen. But I mean, when you have guys like Boza and, and Fred Warner, like obviously it's a little easier, but the, the system's the system. I mean, you're going to, you're going to help these guys who are great athletes make so plays. Yeah. Um, and it's just schematically being smart and understanding that, you know, calling this stunt at the right time is what D'Amico Ryans was great at. I mean, here you see open, right? So it's obviously going to be some kind of pass play, you know, and down in distance, everything, everything matters. And D'Amico Ryans has a plan for each situ situation, but here you're going to see him. And I guess an open look at that Dallas is running. It's a no brainer to stunt Boza, your best pass rusher inside, try to get, you know, pressure in Dak's face right now. And you're going to use arcs from the left side and the right side to create that vacancy. And you'll see Boza comes free because 52, 52, the left guard here is scanning the left side. And by the time he yeah. recognizes what's happening, it's too late. It's way too late. And that pressure, there's nothing worse than a, for a quarterback than pressure right in the middle. You can't do anything about can't it. Can't do anything about it. Um, you know, and I was, I was actually, I was talking to JP uh, Kirby the other day, who has come on the show and, you know, chatted some Titans football. And, um, you know, he said like the other day, which I was like, cause you know, I talk about how important trenches play is right And how you know, O-line D line. I mean, you don't have a team unless, unless you kind of have some strengths up there. He's like, well, that just boils down to the idea that the greatest currency in the NFL is just quarterback time in general. If you're to really consolidate all of team building, scheme, everything down to one thing and make that the currency, it's just how much time does the quarterback have? And that's why, uh, you know, being able to scheme guys like Warner and Bosa to have these these crazy stunts that turn into sacks is impressive. And make no mistake that that's what D'Amico Ryans is going to bring to Houston. Like Absolutely. he's going to, he's going to be the same system. It might not be as good of a defense just because of the lack of players compared to those 49ers teams, but it's going to be pretty damn similar in terms of what they're trying to do. And if they execute at a high level, uh, that defense is going to be very, very difficult to go against. And I think the Texans offense is going to take a step forward. And, and so, you know, they, they made a move defensively to try and they to made a move talent. offensively. They, got, they, made a move offensively, they, they but... said, we're going to get our guys. Like you said, our, we're going to get our guys on D and we're going to get our, get our guys on O for the future, and we're going to do it right here, right now, and we're going to ride with it. Yeah. We're going to live so with this decision. And that's Anderson, what they did. Will Anderson might not be, you know, he maybe wasn't the most physically gifted draft prospect or, or any of that, but he is 100% the safest, safest by far and away edge prospect of this last draft class. Um, you know, multi-year starter at Alabama, I mean, just sacks, tackles for loss. That's pretty much his entire career there. Um, he's he's a great player, incredibly smart football guy. Um, you know, it's it was very bold for them to do what they did in the draft, but I think it's going to pay off because I think Will Anderson's you know going to probably be in a Texans jersey for a decade. I mean, he is he's a stud, dude. Like he he's he's was the dominant player in college football for several seasons and. I was I, I was surprised that he didn't go higher in the draft than he did, honestly. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of teams being as quarterback needy as they were. But I mean, but you saw surely, clearly the Texans valued him as a game as number changer. one pick because they took Stroud and they said we're gonna. I mean, I I honestly think if they didn't do that trade, the Texans would maybe have taken him over Stroud. But I think they knew they were gonna do it and said screw it, we're gonna go, we're gonna get both get both of them and he's he's a complete game changer and i'm excited to see the matchup of him and you know D'Amico ryan's defensive scheming and see what they're able to do with him um because he can execute and that's probably why they went and got him then obviously the other side of this is, is cj stroud who you know i think like the main thing that you know i'm kind of using to denote cj stroud here is just accuracy he's a very accurate passer um and this is against the Georgia defense, which is about as close to NFL caliber defense as you can yep. get. Um, and obviously Stroud hasn't had a great preseason yet, but I, I never get too high or too low on anybody in, in preseason football. Um, when the, when the lights are on in a college football playoff game against the best team that they, that, that they were going to see. Um, and one of the best teams we've seen in a long time, he shined. 
Yeah, he he definitely rose to the occasion. Um, and look, I think you know the two comps that I'm hearing at the NFL level for him is kind of like Tua and Golf are kind of the two that I've heard. I, I think they're those are both pretty accurate. Um, you know, he is his great vision, his great accuracy. He's not like a crazy deep ball guy, but honestly, he didn't need it in college because he was surrounded by just absolutely ridiculous receiving talent all four years. I'm curious to see, you know, how he performs with it being, I guess, a little bit more, you know, the playing field being a little bit more level where he doesn't have two to three receiving options that are just straight up better than the other guys that they're facing off against. But, um, you know, he has weapons there and I'm definitely interested to see how that pans out. And I'm sure they're probably going to try to get him some more weapons in future drafts too. I think that's probably a problem area they're going to try to address. So John, as I watch this, you just think about the course of like, college football history if ohio state would have won this game yeah i i don't like i don't like spending too much time thinking about that obviously um <laughs> and they should have won it yeah, it was, oh it was a crazy game um you know and then just some of the nfl looks that he's giving you know he's a, a pretty good pass here and you see the similarity of the, the again the accuracy that he's clearly hasn't skipped a beat when it comes to that now it just has to come down to processing quicker uh, reacting faster to what the defense is doing. You're going to see much more complex looks. You're going to see much better overall talent um, when you're getting sacked. It's going to be harder to avoid it. You won't have as much time to make decisions like you had in college. So uh, yeah, that's what he has to adjust to. Uh, this is one of the best. This is probably his best play of the preseason so far. Um, really good job selling the play action. And on the run, to flick the flick of the wrist, to, to put it that accurately, is... That's why he's drafted so high, and that's what they expect him to do in Houston, and I think he's capable of doing it. I really do. Yeah, and look, I mean, this season might not be the greatest for the Texans. I'm not totally sure how it all pans out, um, but I will say, you know, like this, I think this is the right guy that you want to try to develop with. He's in a good system with a very impressive coach, and we'll kind of see what happens with it. So, um, and then, you know, I, I have to try to – I we have some Anthony Richardson stuff and you know, I tried to do like two good plays and then kind of a knock on him. Um, I think the problem with this one, and I'm no quarterback. So Mark, if you want to add some extra commentary, feel free. I think it just gets laser focused on who he wants his target to be. He does actually kind of go through his progressions here, but um, he runs out of options and he just tries to force the ball to his third option. Yeah. He tries to force it. Um, no doubt about it, but also this is more a great play by the defender and by the defense than it is a bad play by Stroud. I mean, Stroud, I don't, when he comes down to his check down, he originally saw Jack Campbell bailing to the curl flat outside. So he right. sees him do that. When he scrambles, he takes his eyes off of him. And when he comes back to the receiver inside, the second he threw it, he probably was like, Oh shit. Because I don't think he knew Campbell dropped back underneath that guy. Right. So again, great defensive play from great Campbell defensive too. play. Yeah. Obviously Stroud's got to see it, but he has to avoid pressure and then turns and throws, and he probably just rushed that that uh, scramble throw and didn't think. And I, I mean, honestly, this not very often would linebackers do this, um, leave their zone to go read the quarterback's next zone. It, it's impressive. The range yeah. is more impressive there from Jack Campbell than the error by Stroud, but it's an interception. It can't happen. And he's going to see stuff like this in the NFL more often. So he has to be. Yeah, more more and more linebackers have that kind of ability yeah. to not only identify what's going on that quickly, but also actually kind of, you know, drop into coverage. So um, moving on to the Colts. And as we kind Let's of talk get in about the, the trenches, I like nothing it. is I'm better stoked. than watching a guard pull. Nothing yeah. is better. That's one of the, exactly. I think, I think, listen, when you talk about what do you like to watch in the game of football, it's a beautiful, beautiful fucking sport. Right. It's it's just an amazing thing to watch. All these guys can make plays outside. Quarterbacks can do crazy things, scrambling and throwing. Receivers make all these crazy plays, highlight reels, running backs jump over people, spin, break tackles. But if you just watch what Quentin Nelson and several of these offensive linemen do at their size, the physicality and the athleticism that these guys have, being big boys like they are, that's what football's about. Like this is this is what I like to watch more than anything in the entire world when it comes to football, this is it. Yeah. And I can agree. Um, you know, playing guard, most of my high school career, you know, getting the opportunity to pull 
probably one of the greatest things that you can do because it's pretty much saying, hey, like go hit a guy that doesn't necessarily see you coming. And if you're good at that, uh, it's also turns into, you know, a pretty good thing for your team most of the time. I mean, just look at, look at the recognition this dude out. Like, you see the recognition on the pass. I mean, from the recognition from where he is to see. Look at this. And it's like, what the hell happened I mean, with this offensive line this last year, man? Because they're good. They're all five guys on that line are talented as shit. They, the Colts for a, a while, that was their staple is that, hey, man, like we can run the freaking football. And last year, it just wasn't there. I think Matt Ryan was one of the top three most hit quarterbacks in the league. So it's like, I'm not sure what the hell happened. I think it will bounce back and be a little bit better next season. Um, but they have all this talent on the offensive line and uh, hopefully it's just better utilized, I guess, because it wasn't last year. And I mean, you know, I, I kind of think you see in the second play here, like, you know, the tackles kind of even given up on the play when Matt Ryan scrambles and they're just kind of like, you know, just kind of stop pushing it's before. Unbelievable recognition and then the ability to actually get there after noticing it. There's, yeah. there's only a few guys in the league that can, that can do that. And it's he's crazy, crazy. Um, and I think this is another one. Yeah. yeah so, like we said, four poles in one drive. So, I mean, he is huge for a guard, too. Holy crap. I mean, he, he looks like he's bigger than the tackle next to him. Yeah. I mean, this is what this is what uh, he's he's also like Quentin Nelson is a dick. Like, he is an asshole. He is on the football field, just a menace. He hates everybody in the opposite color Jersey. And he wants, he, he sends the message very, very early and often that yeah. he's not here to just, you know, go through the motions. He's here to ruin your day. Yeah. And uh, no, he definitely blocks like it for sure. And then, um, you know, getting into some of the, uh, the rookie quarterback discussion, like, Mark and I have obviously had a lot of discourse about Richardson. I think, you know, it's no secret that both of I, both of us kind of get a little bit busty, high-risk vibes from him. Um, but you also got to take a look at, you know, what everybody else was seeing to maybe make him the, the fourth overall pick in last year's draft. I think this play was pretty impressive by him. Um, just, you know, the ability to kind of use his eyes to kind of bait the defense here and then, you know, go to the open guy in the middle of the field and just zip that ball as quickly to him before the defense can recognize what's going on. Um, I thought it was a pretty impressive play. Um, here's a different angle of, of the same, same play here, but I mean, he looks to, you know, the right hashes here just to try to kind of, uh, bait them away. And it, it is a pretty solid, you know, accurate fast pass that, that comes, not, not necessarily a difficult pass to make once once you actually make the decision to throw it there. But I thought that was pretty decent. And then also impressive was was this play here. And someone else is kind of doing some analysis on this clip here that I was able to find. But um, just the ball placement here is really the biggest thing. Um, I mean, I think that your ability to kind of accurately put that in a place where only a receiver can kind of catch it. I mean, that was a, that was a damn good ball. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I guess he dropped that ball, which is ridiculous. I mean, that was like right to him there. It's a good but, defensive play too. Yeah. I mean, really, defense was really right good defensive there. play. Yeah. But I mean, Hey, if, if you can consistently place balls like that, um, you're probably going to be in, in decent shape. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if that's, that's the thing is if he is consistent, I mean, completion rate, obviously really bad through, through, uh, college and did not have a whole lot of experience overall too. And that stacks up against them. And it did result in a pretty stupid mistake. Um, in this particular play, I mean, I don't know what he's trying to do for this. It's just a force ball. The, the jump feels weird that he does just try to end off his, See, I, was that John, off his can, I, can I break too? down this, this play real quick? Yeah. Just, obviously the interception is horrible, but let's break down why it happens because I can, I've been in this situation as a receiver. So if you pause it right, uh, like before the, you see the receiver pointing to that, this, this blitz. So if you go back a little bit, so the guy that originally lines up on this number two receiver at the top of the screen, he's disguising that he's not going to blitz. And as he starts to show, the slot receiver is yelling alert, 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 which means like get the ball out quick. And it's a built in hot route, basically. Mm -hmm. And I used to have to do this all the time as a slot receiver. And we were coached anytime the guy that's lined up over me, I, if I think he's blitzing, I alert the quarterback and then right. I have a built in hot route 
in that situation. Now, what happens a lot of the time in the NFL is the defensive scheme is so good that they're baiting him into throwing this alert, which is exactly what he does out of panic because it's what he did, probably did in college and, and ever, ever, you know, his entire career as a quarterback before the pros. They trap him into throwing this out route and the corner sits on it and he just panics and, and throws it anyway. And so he throws it right to the guy who this is exactly what they wanted to happen when they showed that look exactly what they wanted to happen. Show pressure, get him to do an alert and then force him to throw the ball right into the coverage that they're sitting in. And he falls for it. You can, you can see he's uncomfortable. He's throwing off his back right. foot, falling away. Yeah. He realized, Oh shit. Like, they they disguised it. The pressure's coming, but they they rolled their coverage down. I don't have an easy option out of this. What he should have done is thrown this ball away, pump fake, scrambled, try to do something. This is the last thing you want to do, though. I mean, this is absolutely one of the worst picks I've seen uh, in preseason, and this is the kind of thing that scares you. And this is the this is the thing. No one had any questions about his athleticism and playmaking ability at Florida. He's a freak. He does some amazing things that nobody else can do but he also makes plays like this. And, and you just, again, I've, I, I'll be so damn clear. And I have been very, very clear from the beginning on him as a draft prospect. He's not ready. And they're going to throw him into the fire. And they already named him the starter. And he has not earned that yet. I mean, Gardner Minshew's had a pretty good preseason as well and has shown in actual NFL games that he's can win you games. Um, I, he's not ready. And they're going to throw him into the fire. And he's going to look bad at times because he's not ready to play. And, and honestly, also, it's not uh, fair. But this is this is my clip, by the way, and I think Mark broke it down ten times better than I than I ever could because I didn't even realize, you know, I think that that bait blitz that was happening that kind of forces him to make the bad decision. I only there. know it because um, I was in that situation so many times. And... Right, but it's impressive. I mean, it's it speaks to your experience, obviously. As now, normally, it would, I'll say this: what's safer uh, on that bait alert is instead of running an out route into the corner you cross the safety's face in front of you because now there's no help. If they truly do blitz off the edge, if you do a quick slant or a hitch, it's safer for the quarterback because now uh, that bait isn't as good. It's not as sure. well-placed, if that right. makes any sense. Yeah, So because if you're, if you're going where, where Richardson went with that ball, I mean, there's, there's exactly where they wanted him to go. Waiting exactly for him to throw it Exactly where they wanted him to go. Yeah. Then now moving on to Jags, look, you know, I consider kind of last season Lawrence's rookie season because of the entire Urban Meyer <laughs> shit show that he had to deal with. And man, like he looked better and better and better with every game. And similar thing to the Lions is like, you know, it took them until around Thanksgiving to really figure it out. But man, once they did, it was it was lights out. And I think Mark and I feel pretty strongly that they're probably the most likely to win this division. Um, they got a lot of weapons around Lawrence. Their defense is pretty dang good. They got a good coach. I mean, they're they're going to be ready to to kick ass and take names this season. Um, and Trevor I mean, just... Lawrence, you know, we talk about in recent episodes. We broke down um, Justin Herbert, Mahomes' arm talent. We've we've broken down Josh Allen's arm talent plenty of times. And now this is an incomplete pass to drop, but the slide here and. The accuracy of this throw, I mean, when he throws this ball, Christian Kirk is not open. I want people to notice when this ball is released. Right here. That is so crazy. He was still doubled when Whoa, he throws this ball. To... Like... Now, absolutely Nuts. needs to be caught, but this is the kind of throw that there's only a few guys that can make in the NFL. I mean, we're talking the best of the best in the world. On the, on the biggest stage, and there's still only four or five guys that can make this throw, and he's one of them. And that's an no. exciting. There's a reason There's a reason he, there, there was so much hype around him coming out of Clemson. And, you know, he's had he's had a, a full year now with Doug Peterson, and he's got a lot of good weapons around him. He's I think he's only going to get better. I think you put him right there in the MVP conversation um, this year. I really do think he takes that, that big of a leap. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I think you're completely right, honestly. Um, and again, the cast of, of offensive characters he has around him has improved. This is a, a John clip that I pulled just from this past preseason game because there's one guy on the, on the Jags offense in you know, the later quarters of this preseason game that I felt like just kept consistently making plays. And it's our boy from the draft discussions <laughs> with the best name in the draft, Tank Bigsby. Um, and yeah, I mean, just 
think, you know, to kind of, first of all, to, to recognize, okay, this is a mess. I don't want anything to do with that. And then to actually bounce outside and, and get some yardage. I thought this was a really impressive run. Um, and he was making plays like he, the past two preseason games that the Jazz Jags have had. Um, he has made a lot of similar plays to this. I do think he's actually going to be probably splitting some carries with uh, ETN. So um, something to kind of look out for, I guess, fantasy wise is, you know, he might be a bit of a sleeper. I would, I would watch a couple games first. He's probably going to be on waivers to pick up, but something to keep an eye on here. Um, this throw is ridiculous, dude. I'll be honest. This is one of the better throws I've seen from the last couple seasons from the right hash to this left sideline with a high, low coverage around the receiver. I mean, look at that's just the swagger. Like you think you're going to pick me off and then I just throw, I mean, that's so incredible, John. Yeah. He might like, I don't honestly, I don't know if there's besides maybe Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. I don't even think Mahomes could get this, this throw up there. I really don't like it takes a big, strong dude to get that ball there. I really don't know. Crazy. And look at the swagger, the finger wag. (laughs) Um, and then obviously he's got a new weapon that is going to be, I think, completely nuts for him this season. I think Mark and I are in strong agreement on that. We're talking about it earlier. Very sad. I didn't get him in my fantasy draft. Very sad. I mean, he is going to be so huge. He's one of the best route runners in football, like bar none. One of the best route runners in football. You pair him with one of the best quarterbacks in football with a system that has a ton of help around him, a running game. An offensive line. I mean, and people Several have short memories, man. Like he was, you like, know, he, he takes one year, season but, off. Yeah, I mean, he missed forgets, a year, but like, like, holy, like you guys have to remember what this guy was doing in Atlanta. That's what I'm saying with Matt Ryan. I mean, he's he's nuts, and I I cannot wait to see him and Lawrence together. And again, I mean, you still got Christian Kirk. Uh, you have you know a good tight end in Engram. You have a good running back duo, and you have a decent offensive line. I mean, this offense on paper should be on fire all season. They should be torching teams. They so, they might be the one seed in the AFC. I'm and I'm saying that that is but, crazy. But you listen, might be right. Listen, dude, their divisions. Look at their division. Talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. We talked about the Texans, Colts, and the Titans, right? Young. A lot of young, young, young people, a lot of young quarterback play, new coaches. Uh, Vrabel's probably on the hot seat as much as I gave him credit in this in this episode. I think he's a great coach, but he's probably on the hot seat because they've definitely not lived up to the hype the last few years. Um, the Jags are better as a roster. I think they probably have a smarter head coach who's proven to Dunmore as a, as a head coach in this league and better receivers and arguably the best defense. I'd put them right there with the Titans as the best defense in this division. So I think they win out in their division, and then they just have to beat some, you know, questionable teams in the rest of their schedule, and you're looking at 11, 12 wins. And if you win 11 or 12 games, you are right there flirting with the one seed in the AFC. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, going through these, I mean, Texans, six and a half. I'm going to go over here. Um, I don't know, you know, if, they're going to get too many more wins than that, but I think seven wins feels about right for the Texans. I think Ryan's is going to have them pretty well coached up to win a few games. I think that they're more talented than they were last year. Um, it might be rough to start the season, but I can see this kind of being a team that's going to start winning some games again, like around Thanksgiving. I mean, a lot of question marks, a lot of stuff they're going to have to figure out, but I'm feeling pretty good about their prospects for the future. Um, I'm going to go over for the Texans as well. Uh, but I think they're right there at six or seven. I don't think they they do much more than that this year. Right. But I trust D'Amico Ryans, and I trust the development of Stroud, and I think that they have more weapons than people realize. I'm going to go under for the Colts. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, they they pretty much have said this season is is Anthony Richardson development season, and it doesn't sound like they're in the slightest worried about, you know, how many games they're going to win if that's what they're truly going to commit to. So – um, I'm expecting some brutal interceptions. I'm expecting some big mistakes. Um, I'm expecting probably even a little bit more drama than what we're already dealing with, with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, it sounds like there's, it's more likely than not, he's going to get shipped out. So interesting situation there. And I'm, unfortunately, I think this is probably like a four or five win team this season. I think it's a two or three win team this season. I think they're going to be terrible. They might be the worst team in the league. Um, don't have a quarterback that's ready to play. 
You're trading away the only consistent thing that you have. Uh, your receiving core is average. Your offensive line uh, is supposed to be better than it is. They still have some young guys on there that need to prove themselves. And your defense uh, has not lived up to what it was supposed to be the last couple of years. So you play one of the worst divisions in football and you only win two or three games. Rough. Rough. So that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Titans, I'm going to go over right at like eight wins. I think that they'll kind of just bear, they'll be in the playoff chase, but they won't get there. Um, I think the AFC is too competitive for for that to be, a, you know, eight or nine wins, good enough of a record to make it. And I think that's kind of where I put them. I'm going to go under for the Titans. Um, seven, seven and a half is a high number for what they're doing. They're inexperienced at a lot of spots. Derrick Henry's towards the end. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a little bit towards the end. I don't trust their quarterback play. I, I can't give them. I can't give them eight wins. So I'm gonna go under. Yeah, I've I've seen them as less talented in the past and still able to do some crazy shit. I, I just don't want to count Vrabel out, but I understand your argument as well. Then Jags, I mean, you know, you've heard Mark and I discuss. I think they're gonna beat the shit out of this division. So there's six wins right there. I mean, I I think we're looking at you know an 11 or 12 win team pretty easily here. Um. So I'm definitely I'm going over for them. Over, over, over. No doubt about it. Yeah. It's uh dare I say lock. Sheesh. I don't know. But it's um it's I think it's time for Duval to kind of show what they're made of this season. I mean, now or never, really. Like it's it's one of those franchises that has been so historically bad for so many years. And I think they finally got everything locked in and in place to, to go make a run this season. So um, if I'm a Jags fan, I'm, I got to be uh, pretty excited, I'd assume. So that's what we got for the AFC. We appreciate everybody checking us out. Um, we should have merch drops the, the next two weeks here. So like right as the season starting, as promised, we will have that merch drop ready for you guys with uh, a makeover on the, the merch site, which we're stoked about. Next week, last division, uh, NFC South. Uh, a lot of interesting things going on with that season or that uh, division, you know, a lot of changes going on with that division. So I'm really excited there. Make sure that you're checking us out on TikTok, on Instagram, subscribing to us on YouTube, commenting on the video, uh, checking us out on Twitter. As, out listen, as the season All gets it. here, man, it's uh, you're going to get more and more out of us. We're going to be doing every single week, you know, breakdowns of every game. We're going to have film. We're going to have, uh, betting we're gonna have all kinds of different stuff guests in-season guests from all kinds of different nfl teams like you don't want to miss out so subscribe check us out on social medias it's time it's here let's go baby um, we will see you guys with the nfc south our last division going into the season next week we'll see you then peace we'll see you guys